Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us today is returning guest, Giant Bandari, who is an advisor to institutional investors and the host of the highly acclaimed Capitalism and Morality. Giant, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me with you, Maurice. You know, we've been conducting a series of interviews with regards to some significant events unfolding in India since the 8th of November. For first-time listeners, can you please share what occurred? So, Maurice, on the 8th of November, when Americans were going to vote for their elections, presidential elections, Indian Prime Minister came on the television to announce that he was banning all banknotes with face values of 500 rupees and 1,000 rupees. This meant that 88% of the monetary value of the currency in circulation in India was banned overnight. Now, 500 rupees and 1,000 rupees are equivalent to $7.5 and $10. And these are the banknotes that are used not only by rich people, it's used by everyone, including the poorest people of the country. Now, this sent the whole country into a, a strange kind of desperation. The banks were closed for the next day. And there have been lineups outside banks since then. Today is the 51st or 52nd day after the ban was announced and the lineups still exist for people who are desperately trying to deposit their banned notes into the banks. Unfortunately, tomorrow is the last date by which they must deposit all their bank notes. Thereafter, not only the bank notes will no longer be legal tender, they can actually go to prison for four years and they will have to pay a penalty for owning, holding those banknotes, banned banknotes. The irony is that the government hasn't really provided them the facility to convert or deposit the banknotes and now they face the possibility of going into prison for a duration longer than it often murderers and rapists have to go to the prison for. This is truly an Orwellian situation in this country today. It's quite disparaging. I, I'm just shaking my head here in disbelief. You know, Giant, as a speculator, if I don't live in India and I have no relatives there, why should I care about this event? Well, you should not really care much about this event, uh, Maurice, in the sense that if India has always been a country of desperate, diseased and poor people. And unfortunately, this is how this country will continue to exist going forward. In my view, the situation will get much worse in this country because over the last 70 years of so-called post-independence of India, institutions have continued to deteriorate socially and culturally. This society has, has continued to deteriorate. So I, if as an outsider, I would rather stay outside this country, which is quite a wretched place. But what you should try to understand is to glean out some education from how societies deteriorate politically and culturally. And one thing that you, everyone must pay attention to because of this event is that monopoly on currency is one of the most 
horrible kind of monopolies you can think of 1.3 billion people 1.3 billion people of india are dependent on a currency system whose monopoly is has been in the hands of one single person and by pulling by making that currency system illegal he has pretty much destroyed the economic system of this country and that is what you should look at and that is why you should not own too much of paper currency with yourself you should diversify yourself you should own gold and these are the many things you should start thinking about not only in india certainly in india but a lot of these other banana republics and increasingly so in europe and in the us yeah thank you for sharing that do you have a view on why prime minister modi decided to demonetize so maurice when the british left india 70 years back they left a lot of institutions of liberty in this country they ensured that the legislature the supreme court and the executive were separate institutions over a period of time this separation has disappeared and now those institutions are mere hollow structures the country is has increasingly becoming totalitarian and collectivist because that's what the culture of india is like these are very irrational totalitarian totalitarian and tribal people and the institutions have increasingly come to reflect the underlying culture of india modi is an illiterate person he is very dogmatic he is very totalitarian and he is very dictatorial and increasingly his images are reflecting in how the institutions of this country work he wanted to shock and awe the society and he wanted to humiliate indians he wanted to make them feel degraded so that he could increase his control over the psyche of indians and he is succeeding in that india is becoming a police state it is becoming a banana republic and that's what modi wanted to do because he wanted to feel personally glorified by humiliating individual indians truly said that one person one person that is can affect 1.3 billion people um you know giant correct me if i'm mistaken but prime minister modi promised that everything it would be normal in 50 days which we've just surpassed how close is he to meeting this target oh uh, everything is in a utter chaos maurice as it stands today the markets are still almost empty uh, every business person i have talked to tells me that the business is fallen by anything between 20 to 80% now this is disastrous for the small businesses and this is horrible for the poorest people of this society who must depend on daily earnings these are the people who earn maybe a dollar or a or 2 dollars a day they don't really have any savings to depend on and these are the people who are now losing their jobs and they are being forced to return to their villages the situation for for hundreds of millions mind you maurice i did not say millions i said hundreds of millions of people is getting increasingly desperate this is a man made crisis that modi created 
and the lineups people have wasted an enormous time lining up outside the banks but the harm that he has done to the economy will unfold over the next few months and that i think will be disastrous for the society so no he has achieved he's not been able to brought bring stability to this society and of course lineups will disappear from tomorrow because you can no longer deposit your bank currency from uh, into the banks anymore after tomorrow are the rural or the urban areas being affected the most uh, well it's very difficult to say exactly maurice uh, which areas are getting affected the most um, Uh, because it's only been 50 days no re- no one really has the capability to put together all the data to really understand what's happening not much news is coming out of the tribal and the rural areas and in my view a lot of those people aren't even aware of this banning it takes a lot of time in this country to get information passed down to the tribal areas So we don't know exactly who is suffering the most but I'm talking about the urban areas that I have visited and the smaller towns that I have visited there's a huge amount of desperation wherever I go Is it too premature to define if trade is being affected from imports to exports uh, It's very difficult to say right now how much effect it has had on exports it hasn't of course had much effect on import right now but remember uh, a lot of textile factories have shut down because they don't really have the money to pay their the cash to pay to their daily wage uh, wage earners they don't really have the money to give for procurement of supplies which means that textile factories are down which means some of these exports are down uh, information technology companies are uh, delaying hiring people so uh, a lot lot of exports are going down anyway they have been going down for the last two months two years sorry because india has been losing its exporting capabilities to philippines and china increasingly in these days so i think uh, exports will fall anyway would have fallen anyway but this will have a negative effect on exports You know, I recall in our last interview, you had mentioned that uh, several Indians have never even used an ATM machine. So I'm just curious here, what percentage of Indians have internet connection to conduct e-commerce transactions? Uh, let's put this into perspective. About a billion people of this country do not have internet connections. So out of 1.35 billion people, a billion people just don't have internet connections. I know many educated people who have never used their debit card or ATM machine. So these this is technologically an extremely backward country. Modi's attempt to make this an a cashless society will 100% fail. You can be absolutely sure this will not work, but he will have created a massive chaos in the meantime. Well, it's interesting because I was under the impression that India was an IT superpower. Uh, Maurice, this is uh, actually completely a false uh, uh, thing that has circulated around the world for the last 10, 20 years. Uh, and the reason is that Western powers want to see India as something, as India is doing something good because they want to see the biggest democracy in the world doing well. but india is not doing well the it industry in india is actually 
has grown quite a bit but it's minuscule in comparison to the IT industry of let's say China or the US uh, IT industry in China is about 3 4 or 5 times bigger than it is uh, in India and Indians mostly do the back office uh, non creative work in the IT industry so no it is not a huge industry and it only employs about maybe 10 million people now put that 10 million number into perspective india's population grows by about 15 million people every year so this is a minuscule about amount of uh, minuscule part of india's population that works in, in the it industry it's a technologically an extremely backward country maurice uh, indians are actually on a per capita basis more poor more rest more diseased more malnutritioned and more backward than an average Af- african is so put keep that in mind when people say india is a very advanced country you know thank you for conveying that because that leads to my my next question regarding gdp you know it's been widely reported that the indian gdp has surpassed that of its ex colonial master the uh, uk is this accurate oh that is uh, very accurate uh, maurice but uh, that should not even have made the news the reality is that population of india is 21 times the population of the uk and uk's sterling pound has fallen by 20 25% in the last few months because of the brexit vote that they did which means that um, even if india's gdp is the same as british gdp today it only means that a british is still 21 at least 21 times more rich than an indian is so this should not even have made a news this is all marketing it's all tribal good feel news it should never have become a news now what's the demonetization that is occurring as a tourist would this be a good time for me to visit india uh, uh maurice completely avoid visiting india uh, these days uh, an acquaintance of mine arrived in new delhi uh, last week actually and she could not get an atm to give her cash she the banks at the airport in delhi did not have the cash to give her uh, convert her us dollar and as usual um, uh, all these airports are extremely corrupt places there are scammers is standing not only outside the airports but with, with even before the custom clearance areas because custom officials want fat bribes from arriving tourists and a lot of these girls get sexually harassed molested and raped eventually i seriously advise people not to visit india but right now things are much worse because you will be forced to go to a tout somewhere outside the airport to somehow you convert your money at a very bad rate and you don't even know if you will get legitimate money or fake money because you are not really accustomed to knowing what looks like legitimate money and what is fake money so avoid coming to india for now truly unfortunate you know giant many listeners including myself have never been to india you've alluded to a caste system and a banana republic in previous interviews can you expand on this uh, well uh, maurice uh, there has been something kind 
called the caste system in this country for for millennia. Uh, and this pretty much means that there are a bunch of people who are considered untouchables. And, and untouchables means that you're not supposed to touch these people. And this system has been in a way disappearing but it is reappearing in a completely different form. The so-called educated Indians is still despise the tribal people and the lower caste people. Uh, they don't even see these people as human beings. And that is, and when you talk to a typical middle-class Indian, you will realize that he does, he, he has this strange kind of disrespect for the poor people. He does not think that the sufferings of the poor people really matter. For them, it's only about a good cause that they are suffering for. If the government of India expropriates the properties and land of tribal people or of the poor people, which is extremely common in this country, the middle class people do not stop it. They have no, they don't raise their voice against it because they think it's for the larger cause. So the caste system is still exists in the country, although in a mutated form. Well, thank you for conveying that. Now, Giant, we have to take the good with the bad. So we've had some concerns from listeners that you've been very critical about your views on nationalism and education in India. Can you expand on this narrative, please? So, uh, Maurice, nationalism is started as a concept in Europe about 200 years back. Nationalism in Europe meant that there was a relationship between this concept and certain underlying values that Europeans believed in. Now, when nationalism came to countries like India, it, there was no concept of values. As I have said earlier in our discussions, this is an extremely irrational society. These people don't really have the concept of right and wrong. They don't really have the moral instincts. So what happened with the values is that the value only became a geographical value. The border between India and Pakistan and India and China became what they called nationalism. It has become an extremely tribal concept in this country. Now, that and that tribalism, a valueless tribalism, will make India similar to what the Middle East is today. It will make it very dogmatic and irrational and very tribal. Now, talking about education, education must be underpinned by critical reasoning and thinking skills. Indians do not have it. And when this education was transplanted on, on India, it just became a system to provide propaganda to these kids because they were not taught to think and because they were discouraged from thinking, this has just become, it has only become another dogma for these people. Education is not working in this country. Well, thank you for conveying that to the listeners because again, a lot of, uh, a lot of listeners have conveyed their uh, concerns regarding that. Switching gears, Giant in July, you will be hosting the highly acclaimed Capitalism and Morality. Someone joining us for the first time today can you share what is capitalism and morality? Well, Maurice, I grew up in a third world, uh, very backward country, and I went to England to do my post-graduation. And that was the first time when I was 25, 26 years old 
that I realized what compassion actually meant, what discussion and argumentation actually meant. For the first time, I thought I met with a civilization. Now, in the last 20 or 30 years that I have been spending my time in the West, I have seen a consistent deterioration of civilization in the Western societies because of the leftist policies that these people have been adopting in, in their societies. I want to fight against it. I want to make them aware of what made the West the only civilization on the planet. I want to bring back the idea of capitalism. I want to bring back, I want people to think and respect more the Western civilization and the underlying philosophy of the Western civilization. And that is what is behind capitalism morality, which is run every year in Vancouver. The next one will be on the 29th of July, 2017. Who will be the featured speakers? Have you determined that yet? Uh, yes, uh, Ian Plimmer, who will fly in from um, Australia. Ian Plimmer is an extremely well-known person in Australia. He works with Gina Reinhardt, who owns some of the biggest iron ore mines in Australia. Um, I will have Rick Rule, Doug Casey, the usual speakers. Adrian Day, a very well-known money manager from the US will come to speak. Rakesh Wadwal, an Indian I'm very fond of, will be coming to speak. Um, Rakesh Wadwal is uh, used to own um, most of the casinos in Sri Lanka and Nepal at one point of time. And he has a story to tell about how his casinos were expropriated by the governments in these two countries. Many other speakers, Maurice. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to attending myself. Now, where can we get more information regarding capitalism and morality? Um, Maurice, your audience can go to my website, jayantpandari.com, and there's a tab there, uh, Capitalism and Morality, and in that tab they can access the video recordings of all the last seven years of uh, the seminar, and they will also very soon get information on the next year's seminar. They can register using that tab. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com. If you are seeking to protect your portfolio from demonetization through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, we offer gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, offshore storage, and safe deposit boxes, which are fully insured and secured by Brinks, and self-directed IRAs. The website again is www.provenandprobable.com. Giant Bandari, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you very much for having me, Maurice. All the best to you, sir, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, Maurice. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.